Welcome to Homegrown the Series. I am your host, Emmanuel Davis. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chicago urban historian, Sherman Six Figure Dilla Thomas. Sherman, welcome to Homegrown the Series. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Now, do you want me to call you brother Thomas, Sherman, Dilla? What do you uh, call Dilla, Dilla, yeah. Dilla. Now, is yeah. that some rap origin or how we get the name Dilla? Uh, a little bit of a mixture, right? So my mom, um, she thought she had seen it all, right? I'm, it was six of us. Mm. But she said I used to convince her to like batter the get her batter bull crap out of the gum machine that you know the toy is gonna break in five seconds or the toy out of the dollar store. She's like, man, you like a used car dealer. Like I know it's a piece of crap, but I'm gonna end up buying it anyway and then be yeah. mad that I bought it. So she used to be like, oh, they go Sherm Dealer right there. They go Sherm Dealer. Wow. Like the dealer, right? And that was yeah. probably like 92, 93. And at that very same time, Common had introduced the city to Jay Dilla. Mm -hmm. So the, the hood started saying like Sherm Dilla, Sherm Dilla, Sherm Dilla. Okay. Uh, stuck. So it's like a mix, right? It's amazing how nicknames are created. Man, Dude. you look like Block. We're going to call you Block. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um. So I have a question and it's always an argument whenever I see it on Twitter and me and my friends talk about this all the time. What is the East side? Uh, it's, it's a hurtful thing. There ain't no such thing as the East side first and foremost. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, if you look at a Chicago flag, right? You got the three white bars, you got the North side, South side and West side. And um, partially because there's no solid geographical divide, so to speak, like in the beginning time, the Chicago River kind of flowed as a mm -hmm. geographical divide. And then as we um, annex stuff, big land swatches, you know, Bubbly Creek, and this, this, that, and the third, as they were dividing the city. And just in the east side, there's nothing that stops the land flow until you get to the Calumet River, which in a lot of places is the southern point of Chicago's boundary. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why it gets lumped up with the South side, but it's like the neighborhoods called over East, um, you know, um, so Chicago was, I, I, I always say over East, like I'll, I'll, I'll say shout out to West side, South side, North side and over East. Like I'll always say that because that it's like a, oh, East side, like a Florida man, you know, that joke, <laughs> on you know, an East side person, like, and then because they ain't got their own side, they like really like, oh no, it's the East Side, bro. Yeah. So I show, I show love the East Side, but they 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 marginalized too, right? Like you think about the Far East Side. Mm -hmm. uh, you live on Ewing, you got to work in Indiana. You know what I'm saying? You can't, True. you can't work. Where you gonna get? You can't even get to downtown from there nope. most days. No, nope. nah. People argue like it's from state to the lake, uh, and then you have the Jeffrey, nah, it's from Stony or Jeffrey to the lake. And it's like, then you got the people on Ewing, they'd be like, nah, we're the real East side. It's right. like, ah. And for that reason, it's over <laughs> East, all of it. So <laughs> um, before I um, say thank you, your daughter is the one that introduced you to TikTok. I, I read that you used to try to impress your now wife. Y'all used to go jogging when y'all were younger. And you would see the brown street signs and talk about the prominent Chicago figures. Is was that more so your dad putting that into you, or is that something just cool you were trying to impress your lady? Um, for sure, my dad. Um, the running was to impress Lynette. The reading of the signs was what kept me interested in running. Okay. You, when you drive and you miss so much, you know, you're trying like one. Thankfully, you pay attention to the road, and you you only peripherally catch so many things. And when I started jogging with her, like when I'm driving, I'm looking for the green sign. I need to turn on any second of Escanaba, whatever. Right? Yeah. I'm not. But then when I'm running with her, like the brown sign started to stick out, and then I even before looking them up, I started to like make connections, like. You know, you see the brown sign, then you run half a block, then you see the church, and then, like, you remember the brown sign said, Reverend, whatever, then the church says, founded by that saying, oh, okay. But then if it ain't a Reverend and something in front of it, those are the ones that start to really get curious to me. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, well, use that code, the block, we a block club president, right? Yeah. 
So the the that interest for sure comes from my father. And but wanting to know where my wife just had me running is how that started. Um, your you said that your father used to give you these daily quizzes when you first started driving. Um, did you get any of those answers wrong? And what was oh. the punishment? Um, I got a lot of them wrong. Okay. And you was probably on a bus that day. <laughs> or uh reroute with the homies, right? Like, because sometimes if you spur in a moment, man, once you go in there and see your daddy, you get your pops comment. I know somebody stay on 77th and Merrill, all right, bet. So, you know. And dad, we're going to go visit our friend that stays over on 76 in Merrill. Um, mm. Can you uh, can I use your car? And like, who you know on Merrill? We, we stay on Troop. So now, you know, okay, what, what's Merrill next to? Maybe that might be my first time hearing about the street. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That was it. Problem stopped. Yeah, yeah. No, because if something happened. You go to pay phone, you can't even call me and tell me where you at. Or well, if I don't answer, you can't call see those pay phones then. Yeah. Um, so then I started to learn like streets in between the majors, just enough to be able to cover the ground I would travel. You know what I mean? So I, I needed to solidly know my South Shore, you know, South Shore Drive to man, probably Cicero. I tried to like that that covers a lot. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I could, I could with a little bit of, you know, pushing. Or like I, I was aware of the K Town stuff before rappers and all that. I mean, not the neighborhood historically K Town, but like the K's was lumped mm -hmm. because uh, we met somebody that went to Bogan, and so they stay over there on that side of Pulaski and Cicero and all that. So you know, I wanted to go see your girl on Carlaw. I started. Oh, that's over there by the K's. They run in a row. It's in between. You know what I mean? And he, yeah. he, he felt comfortable. But yeah, I got them wrong a lot. And then bigger ones, right? Like uh, you want to take the Stevenson Expressway to go to uh, Hollywood Boulevard where they let you do the dinner and the movie, right? That's all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who is L.A. Stevenson? You know? Yeah. Those are, those are his questions. Well, I'm not going to pretend like I know the history of Chicago. <laughs> Me, like a bunch of other Chicagoans, I found you on TikTok and a little on Instagram, and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, wait, that's how fire poles were invented? That's why we have those houses in Bronzeville? So I'm going to say thank you because you're telling, you're spreading history that I didn't know about this city, and I've been in the city my entire life, and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. So did, um, what was your father's main reasoning for the daily quizzes? Um, they were practical. You know, he was a cop, cop speaking jar and police jargon. So it's no okay. such thing as, uh, I'm gonna get off on the Dan Ryan and go left on the expressway. Now you're gonna go east or west. You know what yeah. I mean? And so like, so there was some practicality in that. He was really, really proud to be from Chicago. And um, just he went to Marshall High School. Marshall was the first city high school to win a basketball championship. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's proud of that, right? So you're gonna get that history. But then now I'm thinking, what year was that? Oh, that was like 1960 ish, uh, 59, 58. Wasn't no hoopers that good in Chicago before the end, right? You know what I mean? So now, mm -hmm. now I'm personally am in a library checking the records, and then found out about the year before they cheated the Dunbar team. Mm. Uh, they lost by a foul. Um, but then those players go on to become um, super principal this at Kenwood, uh, assistant yeah. principal that, right? And so when I'm meeting them, they are, uh, what's up, man? Coach Hawkins from um, Simeon, right? I mean, from Whitney Young, Coach Hawkins who won the championship. So I'm meeting him as that Coach Hawkins. But then my dad is probably going to be like, oh, yeah, but, you know, he played for the 1963 Inglewood Championships, right? You know what I mean? And people would be so impressed that he could turn that corner from who they were then to who they was now. Yeah. And, man, I wanted that. I wanted, like, how people would look at him and be so, like, he, he didn't do anything physically, but he could, like, in two senses, had a room because he understood that timeline, man. That stuff had me hooked as a kid. And 
that speaks to a lot. I'm thinking about I went to Beasley and I went to went to high school at King and how you see the trophy cases and it's from the 70s and the 80s. But as a child, you never go beyond that. You like, oh, it's a flat. It's a it's a cool trophy, whatever. But you never ask like, no, talk to me about the coaches. Talk to me about the players and where are they now? Some of them come back to the schools. And some of them are at Foster Park. Some of them are coaching at Kenwood. Some of the best coaches are at King or at Dunbar. And that's that's awesome that your dad instilled that in you in a young age and you're instilling it in your children now. And we were talking about Foster Park earlier. Do you still run into some of those cats? Oh, man. Ron, back in the day at Foster Park? I know you know he's Ron Crenshaw and Mac. Uh, Hawk was a long-term time supervisor there, but Kelly, uh, park administrative there. Um, but like I say, just Foster Park had one of the premier running rebel little league basketball teams on the South side. And I always tell, you know, absent a, a deity or something to make you stay the course, man, so many people out of Foster Park with their professional, everything, right. Swimmers, I, um, saving grace was being a lifeguard during the summer. And I, I say that because I could compete with my low-level crack-selling friends. We don't have those kind of conversations in schools or in the city, which I think is really, really ridiculous. They used to, right? They used to say, like, if you're a painter, you make just as much numbers, money as a number runner, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so, like, that's... Um, um, Foster Park, man, that junior lifeguard, like as much as it was, like you couldn't split the poles and it was the Blackstones up here. They had mm-hmm. that neighborhood had a reputation. It was also like full of outlets. And like I said, lifeguarding was, man, people don't understand. Every for a long time, hotels had lifeguards. You know, you go to the summer resort, Great America, every water ride, that's a lifeguard spending there. You need lifeguard certifications, and Foster Park was giving them away to you for free. So yeah. Even when I went away to college, even in college, I, I lifeguarded and I sat and chilled and you always made more money than all the other positions, right? Because it's a skill. Absolutely. It's like a trained thing. So um, I'm fortunate, you know. Absolutely. You you mentioned college. Um, you also said, and I don't know if it still holds true today, you have some teachers that were in your African-American studies class that you feel glossed over Chicago too much for your liking. Yeah. Can 100%. You, you 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 talk about Chicago being the baby of America. Do you feel like those teachers didn't give Chicago the credit that it deserved? Uh, they still don't. Just in, I had a class. It was uh, the history of jazz and rock, right? Which is yeah. a, lot, a lot of times considered the only true form of music born here in America. And the first rock and roll song largely credited is Chuck Berry, right? Every historian say that. And he recorded it on 26 in Michigan at Chess Records. And then uh, the first time jazz was ever written down in correlation to music, right? People used to say you're talking all that jazz or something, right? It was a slang term. Yeah. But before it was a coined, a musical term, it was in the Chicago Tribune in 1915. And I didn't hear that in, in that class at all. For 16 weeks, nobody said that. Um, The reason that jazz is such a Chicago baby is because of racism. And maybe they don't like turning that corner. Mm -hmm. It was born in New Orleans, but they got kicked out of New Orleans. They could no longer play in public spaces. And Chicago allowed them to play. Imagine you trying to like grow an art form, you can't have performances. How how do you get that fan feedback to know what works, right? And again, this is 1905, 06, 14, 13, 18, right? So you can't post on YouTube and get the likes and the views. You, you needed fans to grow. That was the money coming to shows and that type of stuff. And, and that they Jelly Roll Morton set up shop here. He called for all his homies to come up here. There ain't a jazz movie or old tiny ragtime movie you've ever seen where they don't got the player piano, right? And that's the, yeah. I'm sure you know what I'm speaking to your audience. That's the piano that it plays itself. You can sit there and fake like you're playing it, but the keys are dropping on its own. It's called a player piano. And maybe 85% of all player piano music comes from Chicago because our jazz musicians know how to read musician music, right? Mm-hmm. And the New Orleans, uh, uh, don't, don't just, they just couldn't read music. It was great play by ear, which I think is though I can't play nothing, I ain't dissing nobody. Yeah. But to feed your family, you need to go to work every day 
and going to record player piano songs is what the Chicago jazz musicians did during the day because they could read music and that's how they afforded their Bronzeville apartments and they could play jazz all night and travel the world, right? And, yeah. I, and you, I've never heard that mentioned when they talk about it. You know, just those things. So you, you, you mentioned it about the racism. If you were a history teacher, if, if you, your child had you as a, te- as a history teacher, how would you navigate the racism that's embedded in Chicago, but also talk about the black excellence that birthed from that racism? We're a perfect example of it. Um, and I hate, I hate how we as a country have fallen into this, I'm gonna say handout and people are gonna drag me, but you know, like waiting on a handout type of thing. And I don't mean it that way. I mean, black Chicago formerly had its own political base and we told politicians what to do. And that's the format that the rest of the country gets that from. And the reason we were able to do that is a product of racism. We were yeah. boxed in via redlining and boxed in um, um, just do the racial covenants, right? We couldn't move to other neighborhoods. And so that meant 80%, higher than that, 88% of all the black people in Chicago lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So if you were trying to get votes, you could, if you got that, 88, that strong group of people to vote for you, uh, you wouldn't lose an election. And so the black leaders understood that. And they was like, hey, okay, you wanna stay mayor, Mayor Kelly? We need 15 new black garbage men every year you're in office. You know what I'm saying? I need 20 new cops. I need like, and and we talk about the growth of bronze, but that's where that came from. Um, and so again, the, the, I would teach those things like, it's racism that makes, us have 77 community areas and not yeah. more, not less, right? It's racism that's the reason uh, Little Village is called Little Village, or you have a distinction between North Lawndale and South Lawndale, right? It was, we're going to call that place North Lawndale, so when we sell in real estate, our real estate agents know this is where Black people are. Mm-hmm. Like, but you, the good thing about the past is whoever did it probably did, so I don't know why we run against <laughs> You know, you can like lay it out and say who did it and yeah. fix it without any repercussions because that person gone, you know. What they gonna do? That's the thing, man. <laughs> uh I'm a I'm gonna jump forward a little bit because I wanted to ask you, because you study the past and you're 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 still here living in the present, how can we develop new pal- policies to forward the black agenda? How do we get back? to where Chatham, Bronzeville, High Park are these affluent, powerful yeah. black neighborhoods. Being, asking for something, right? They used to be called race men. And it's like, now you get some kind of black ass for, for saying you speaking up on behalf of black people. And you want this thing for black people like that, that doesn't make you racist or anything. I, I think absolutely we kind of lose um, our fight or, or, or the benefit of being in the fight in the guise of like multicultural, multi, you know, like we, we're, I, I believe in fighting for all, but I think if you fight for you and they fight for them, everybody gonna arise and tide, raises our ships type of thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you gotta focus on your ship. Your ship got a hold, your ship ain't gonna rise when all the other ships rise, you know? So I think it's that, I think this whole voting don't matter thing, is like really, really ridiculous. Maybe you can say, I'm, I'm kind of okay with you saying that in a national race, right? If you want to go that route, right? Yeah. Because in certain instances, your state verts a certain way anyway, and unless you're in Ohio or Pennsylvania, right? Truth be told, maybe your vote don't matter as much. But who be, yeah. who's mayor and who's alderman really, really matters. And that's the other thing, like the alderman approves projects. It's the alderman that, is approving all these new housing projects without anybody building jobs for the people that are going to live in these houses, which turns those houses into Section 8 houses, which, you know, invokes a whole cycle, right? It's the, also the aldermen that um, push whether or not we close certain schools or fight, you know? So I think that's the first thing, like local control is, is so important and, and we missed that. I think the second thing is paying attention to history and not in a boring history class i'm long-winded type of way no go ahead brother you, you <laughs> said most people are moving in unawareness yeah right 
the more the more you speak, the more knowledge I'm receiving, and hopefully my viewers are receiving. So go ahead. No, but I was saying to also look into the, the past kind of tells you what works. So uh, asking for a job, but not asking for specific types of jobs, mm -hmm. right? Hasn't worked. We've had that for, if you study history or you follow people that do study history, there's a job bills program worth millions of dollars that's been passed for the last 60 years. Like it's a line item in all eight budgets. But it's only when people are detailed, we want STEM jobs. We want, you know, uh, um, better stated, we need to, our education should match the life that people are living. Um, yeah. When we were asking for new schools to be built, because of overcrowding here in Chicago, wasn't enough just to build, uh, say, a DuSable high school. It needed to be a trade high school because we also wanted people to come out of there with apprenticeships. Absolutely. And so maybe that's not the way we do it now, but no way you should go to high school in, in Chicago public schools and not have a baseline understanding of coding, right? Or a baseline understanding of crypto today. Yeah. Or uh, a baseline understanding of green energy right like maybe we don't train people to be electricians no more but we train you to do solar installs you know yeah and well, i think we should that should be the turn we take and history shows you like why you should make those turns absolutely but sometimes those that are in power wanted to keep keep it a certain way so of course we want the black kids to be part of these unions but who's over the unions right your family has been in the union for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. You think I'm gonna let this person who's gonna show hope and change bring up his family and his friends? And so you, that was heavy, <laughs> what you just said. Even that, I, I feel that. And so what you do is you go to, and I say names, right? You go to local 399, which is the Operating Engineers Union, which is historically a very large Irish union. And I'll never quote Big Mayor Daly, right, the same one. But one of the best things and only good things he said that I understand, he said, I don't want to live in a world where I can't put my arm around my son and help him. Somebody was at Mayor June, Daly Jr. just got elected state's attorney. And so everybody was like, the only reason you state's attorney is because your dad's the mayor. And then having enough of it, Big Daly was like, yes, that's the reason he state's attorney, because I'm the mayor. Absolutely. And if my son can't benefit from the stuff I did, what am I doing wrong? Right. Just, that don't make no sense. And that's the and so I understand that exactly what you're saying, being a union person. But then you but then back to what I was saying, black people vote in a block. And then uh, you say, hey, Artemis, if I will get three engineering jobs this quarter, you ain't going to have your job next. Then he going to go to that union president. He's going to say, hey, bro, it's way easier for us to get this thing structured. So. Your engineers cost of quality of life is better once the Chicago ain't got no crime, right? Your engineers yeah. work in these marginalized schools. Your engineers' cars get broke in. Your engineer, I, I know I'm an area operator. I talk to engineers all the time that work in city schools, right? Your engineers spend so much money Uber eating money for lunch in because they don't want to go to the neighborhoods to eat, right? If the people in the neighborhoods had those jobs, right, again, the, you know, more suited. I know the engineers that don't want to get sent to Simeon because it's the hood, right? So guess what? You should probably keep a handful of black engineers so that they can go to these black schools. Like, and that works. That's the Chicago way. It really, really works. What you're know, saying, it's, not, it's if it feels like it should be common sense. <clears throat> like, put the police that are in the neighborhoods in the neighborhood that they grew up in, yeah. or the neighborhood. Well, we don't want the neighborhood that they live in now, but that makes sense. Yeah. Like if I see a, a cop that looks like me, oh, that's a that's so and so. Oh, you know my mom. Yeah. I right, I'm gonna be cool. Versus that guy who clearly is from Arlington Heights or wherever. Right. Nah, he don't understand me. He don't understand us. So where what does that disconnect happen? Because in normal conversation, you ask anybody who their alderman is, they don't know. Why is it? where did that disconnect come from and how do we bridge that gap between aldermen and the community? Uh, start with the, again, us and who we put in as aldermen. How, let's say you are an alderman. 
how many schools do you really have in your ward? Like max, right? 20, max. You can't go to all 20 of them schools in a four-year period election cycle, you know? You should have went to every single school in your district and introduced yourself to two, three assemblies of school year. We, we know that that doesn't occur. Um, I think some stuff should be facilitated through the alderman's office. Um, you should, you know, you shouldn't have to go stand in line at the downtown if your water get cut off or if uh, you get a boot. It should be a local liaison at each alderman's office for that ward. You got a ward ID to go to your ward to get your boot off your car in that ward. And then you, by no other reason on earth but just being there, oh, this is who the alderman is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you go pay your water bill, you you know who the mayor is, you know who the water recommend chairman is, or at least you see their pictures, whether you care about them or not, is there. You yeah. had to pay your water bill at your ward office. That's a small thing, man, but... Well, no, it's it's a, a thing you're working on now. I know it's going to work be in schools hopefully in the next five years you're working on a book yeah so before uh, i talk about your book to spread the knowledge about chicago and especially the south side and over east uh what would be some of the books you recommend for those who are trying to further their knowledge about the black chicago history oh man i ain't even staged i just like always when i'm doing posts um a Google quote is fine, but I like taking stuff from authors because it, it gives authenticity, right? So to your, uh, let's see. Oh, wow. You got them right there. I'm, it's, it's so many Chicago books, but just to your question, right? So art in Chicago neighborhoods. Okay. Right. And it shows you 40 years of murals in different neighborhoods. Some mm -hmm. have been taken down, some public art. So if you're not like a wordy nerd, um, a person painted a certain mural in a certain neighborhood because that neighborhood is known for that thing. So Pullman's known for the Pullman factory. You'll never got to read a book. You can look at the Pullman mural and see that the Pullman portraits are from there and this is where they made train. And so that book gives you that history in a lot of different neighborhoods. Like I said, it's 40 years worth of public art. Uh, my main man, Lowell Thompson wrote African-Americans in Chicago. You can find it in Walgreens, you know, at the end. It's from Arcata Publishing. It's probably like a $20 book. Okay. And it's it it really awakens you to uh who used to walk in these spaces. Uh and then one and then maybe top five underrated black Chicagoans, Dempsey Travis. Uh, okay. this book is called The Autobiography of Black Chicago. And because his family had been in Chicago since about 1900, and he lived to be about 90. Mm -hmm. You get the full span of how Chicago, you, you get it from, right? I see your face. Yeah. So you get it from right at the end after the World Exposition, right? The big fair. So Chicago's mm -hmm. already put on the map. We got electricity. You know, we're on the map already. He's his family is able to firsthand tell him about the race riot of 1919. Right, that's not something he got to read. His mom and aunties is telling him about that every day as a child. Um, he went to DuSable High School, which is the second black high school in the city, and he was classmates with Harold Washington, John H. Johnson, Red Fox, Nat Cole. So yeah. he watched yeah. Chicago luminaries become adults and be yeah. who they are. Yeah. Um, he's a World War II veteran. He's a jazz musician who stopped being a musician because he wanted he like money more than doing gigs, right? And that's being like a, a, a background player is a hard life, right? Yeah. But he was being a background player during the blues 40s, 50s in Chicago at the apex of it, right? So he has all those first person stories. And then he got a master's degree, so he knows how to write. Uh, he ended up writing Harold Washington's autobiography, uh, being one of the writers. Yeah. So he's he's underappreciated. He also opened up the West Side. I could talk about Dempsey Travis forever, but he don't. He just he he paints Chicago. You know, as a kid, he sees a black man pulling up in a big Cadillac. That black man is the barber by the name of Charles Murray. So he asks his mama, hey, I know a lot of barbers. Why does that barber have the biggest Cadillac I've ever seen? And his mama say that's because that's the guy who invented Murray's hair grease. You know, 
And so, like, his that's how he tells stories in his book. It's amazing. The fact that I'll be honest, I didn't know any of I didn't know that. <laughs> it's it's kind of disheartening because you're like, yo, I've lived here. But if you don't have that person that tells you, I'm trying, oh, man. It's no, a lot no. of us historians too, I think, and I hope somebody plays this for their grandma and grandpa, man. We gotta stop with that. I ain't finna do that thing. I can't tell you how many people I come across. They're like, man, I see you blowing up on TikTok, but yeah, I ain't finna even download that. Like, bruh, you know, we used to build bikes with spare bikes and go-karts with lawnmowers and yeah. BB guns with slings and and and, pay, and clothes clips. And you can't download TikTok for us like you do that and it's over. You don't have to physically do anything else. And so, go ahead. And it's so entertaining the way that you you talked about the Downing brothers. So that's somebody that we know them. Yeah. Or how the the you I think you did this TikTok a week or two ago about the mob had a black guy that was like the liaison between the black gangs and the Irish gangs or whoever, yeah. and how one one was protecting the other, and then he had to get out for some reason. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> you movies don't touch on that stuff. You were like, wait, so. It's, it was more like black people were actually cool with these mobs and yeah. got along to a certain degree and they looked out for each other. You oh, yeah, you talking about WBEZ, St. Louis Kelly. Yeah, yes, it's, St. Louis. Yeah, it's it's, it's so that I, I feel the the Lord, the universe, somebody gonna let me live to be 97 and all I'm gonna do is tell Chicago stories. But that's what I was saying. It goes to I was just at the town hall meeting for my ward. I try to be involved in the, the ward I live in. And that's what I was telling the ladies, like, I can't Google Chicago Black neighborhood 1950 and get images, right? It's very hard to do. Y'all got them all in y'all basements, but y'all don't want to scan. Y'all ain't going to put them on the internet, nor are you going to let me come over there and take your only photo out and put them on the internet. And I'm sorry to say this, but I'm an area operator downtown. And let me tell you what happens to these people who live their whole life stacked with bread to the ceiling got this beautiful downtown condo that they retired in, beautiful pictures of their whole family all around, and they pass away, and grandson come in and take the chains, the gold, the flat screen TVs, the Apple laptops, don't even fucking freaking touch the pictures, yeah. and then they leave. Yeah. And then the, the, the janitors come in and throw all that stuff away. It's gone in history forever. We, we gotta like entice our seniors to digitize. Like you ain't same way you take care of your garden outside because you, you old. When the sun go down, come in the house and scan them pictures. It's not hard, but right. I, I just did the. I don't know if you saw. I did the top ten South Side. In my opinion, South Side Hoopers from the top yeah. ten Chicago South Side Hoopers. Yeah, and I could not find an image of Tim Hardaway in a Carver jersey. What if I went to Carver? Like, how, you know what I mean? We yes. should sell them. That should be yes. something schools. You should go in the Carver's principal's office. And if you got a certain GPA, you should be able to buy a Tim Hardaway Carver jersey authentic from the school. You know what I mean? Like, that imagery matters. And so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'm going to beat the drum. And I don't mm -hmm. know why the Lord likes me. Kelly Clarkson just called. I'm going to be on. They fly me to L.A. Monday to be on that Kelly Clarkson show. Hey, bro. You, you, you're the reason why the White Sox are doing their thing. Word. <laughs> you blessed them a little bit. Uh, I'm, I, I want to talk about that, but I also want to make sure that I mention your book, uh, The 100 Chicagoans You Should Know. Yeah. Is this going to be the first in a series of books? Yeah, or? it's, it's going to be 100 Black Chicagoans You Should Know. Okay. Do 100 Puerto Rican Chicagoans You Should Know, 100 German Chicagoans You Should Know. Now, if you're from the South Side, you heard Michael Reese Hospital. Yeah. That's a German. That's a Jewish German Chicagoan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 don't, he, he was rich and we, he didn't have any, uh, he had daughters. He said, if my daughters don't have sons, then I want my, all my money to go to a hospital for the very popular Jewish German Chicago community. Mm -hmm. Right? You probably even know. Um, what happened was right at the start of World War One, it was bad to be from Germany. And so they all changed their names and started anglicizing their names. And then after World War II, 
Oh, you for sure changed your name. Like, you took down that German flag. It was no more mm. gingerbread houses at Christmas. It was, like, bad. Like, it, they, they hid. I understand. You know, it was a lot of anti-German sentiment. But we lost that history. Uh, Alexander von Humboldt. You go to Humboldt Park. Like, that's yeah. a German. That's a German, you know. So th- this is going to sound ignorant on my end. So 63rd, 64th by Michael Reese, that was... That wasn't always black people. That was no, no. <laughs> no not at all, not at all. <laughs> that so, stuff is so funny. Even that man, like, why, why certain streets be named that? You go to Morgan Park, and it's like one of the only places that don't have Morgan Park area. They don't got like a hundred fourth, hundred fifth. It's like Edmere and Ed or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Those are streets named after the people who own the land. And they, they, they Morgan Park didn't become part of Chicago until 1914. All right. Well, that's real late in, in Chicago. Yeah. And so it was still super farmland. And the rule of thumb is uh, when we buy your land, we'll, we're going to name the subdivision after the people whose land we bought. So that the street ran through your land, they named it after you, right? But that's a great way to study who was there. Yeah. So that you look yeah. at that name, and then that name's going to have an a, a ethnic origin. And then that tells you who lived in this area. Would you rather have a street named after you, after you or a school? Oh, that's tough. Uh, they be closing school. They be closing schools around here, man. They don't, <laughs> the change of street name, no, they go crazy in Chicago. Like yeah. once, once that name is the name, we don't want it changed. So I'm gonna take the street. That's actually. My wife hates when I say this because I need to start taking payment for some of the stuff that I'm doing around here. And I'm always doing it because I love Chicago. That's like my goal. That's what Rich is to me. Like my grandkids on 82nd and Carpenter when they put up the little brown mm-hmm. honorary Sherman Dillaway because I meant something to some people over here. Like that's that's the end goal for me. Okay. You, uh, you also are achieving one of your goals with Mahogany Tours. Yes. Um... When can we see that grow into something that you do twice, three times a month? We're scaling right now. Um, I'm going through the process of getting like the CPS vendors uh, license. What I would like to do is match sponsors to kids. So, you know, Kenwood's third and fourth period history class, we find some law firm to sponsor the tours. Um, but we're scaling right now. We got somebody building a website so that we can start doing like Google Forms. To uh, the problem is, it's a woman. I'm, people aren't interested as much in the mahogany tour as they are as getting a tour from me. And I'm a one man person. Okay. So I'm also training my daughter. She's 18. So I think by next summer I should be able to release her on her own tours. Okay. Because I, I, I want the. Um, it's not your standard tour, man. And that's probably like the only thing I'm really bragging about. Like, I think the tours are phenomenal because they touch on so many different Chicago things. I tell you about where the bricks come from on our two flats and bungalows. Mm-hmm. And then also tell you the street names. Uh, we're on King Drive. I'll point out the South Park Missionary Baptist Church. And you might know that South Park is the old name for King Drive, right? Mm-hmm. But it's because Washington Park's old name was South Park. And so every boulevard in Chicago leads to a park. So you took South Park Boulevard because it ended up in the boulevard. I see your face. Think about every boulevard. If it has a boulevard in Chicago, it ends at a park. You know, Garfield Boulevard puts you into Washington Park and Gage Park. Washington mm-hmm. Boulevard puts you into Garfield Park. We do this all day. Loomis. <laughs> There's not, there not a boulevard in Chicago that doesn't end on one end or the other into a big, huge Chicago park, right? Have you thought about creating your own maps or anything? Uh, I want to figure out how to create my own classroom curriculum. Just like okay. quick, that's more quick, important. That's more important. Quick, quick 10-minute hits. It's some people that do amazing map work. Mm. Uh, I don't want to open it. It's just Chicago neighborhood maps. It's a guy you, that's on. You posted one, and I'm like, okay, I, I need that in my house. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so cold with it, right? Yeah. It's so, uh, with my platform, I want to maybe highlight people that are always doing stuff cold, and that just don't, you know, didn't turn the corner for where with their platform, and just, like, highlight them. Ain't no sense of me touching maps. That guy is amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you get the success from Mahogany Tours. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think I was out of town the last time you had yours, and I'm like, ah, that would have been uh, perfect. I'm going to do something this October and November to beat the snow for sure. Well, like I said, okay. this, I'm uh, writing a TV show with uh, Thomas Lennon, who's from Reno 911 mm-hmm. and Night at the Museum. And so, like, those sessions be long. It'd be really long sessions because he hates a lot of stuff. Yeah, part <laughs> over. Not the history part, but like it's I'm an academic brain person, so I'm used to typing papers. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to like write a screenplay, that's not how you write. Yeah, you don't write that way. So I'm learning as I go, but I got some good stuff. WTTW rocking with me next summer. The I hardest part is say, my mouth shut. <laughs> I was gonna say just doing research for you in the last two weeks, you've been on this network, did a pilot with that show, tour White Sox Stadium. And I'm like, this man is really take, take advantage of it. Yeah. And you're spreading that knowledge and people are genuinely fascinated and interested and hopefully invested in what you're talking about. Can you, did, did you throw out the first pitch or did you just uh, do uh, a tour? Let me, so, I wanted to tell a lot of people don't the Cubs are Chicago's darlings, but uh the White Sox were probably better than the South Side people, right? Mm-hmm. It was just just small stuff. The historically the racial dividing line, Bridgeport in Chicago and Brownsville was Wentworth. Well, they tried to move it to State Street because D La Salle is right there. Yeah. You know, and they just make D La Salle the cutoff between the Bridgeport kids and the black kids. And Charles Kaminsky said. Black kids like baseball, too. So he went to the Bridgeport, uh, they were called athletic clubs, in mm-hmm. early 1900s. And he said, hey, you see black kids on Wentworth coming to the park, leave them alone, right? I donate to these things. I hire Bridgeport people. So, you know, just stuff. So anyway, I, I tweeted that to the White yeah. Sox. Like, hey, I want to tell the story of the White Sox. But it would be cool if y'all let me get some behind-the-scenes footage. And it was like, come on. And you know, I, I, the humbling man, they put my name on the jumbotron. I saw that. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm talking stuff with my boys. We at the game. I took two of my friends, and I took my sons too. And my son can't speak because he's shocked. So I almost miss it because instead of saying, "Hey, Dad, look," he's tapping that, that, that. But I'm used to ignoring my kids. I'm like, "Come on, I ain't buying no more hot dogs. Let me alone." You know, I'm talking to my boy. Like, he tap, 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 stop, Jacob. Tap. So he finally grabs me and turns me. I'm like, oh my God, so cool. Wow. I mean, I normally take calls from episodes and you said a lot of good stuff, but I'm gonna go with that. I usually ignore my kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so you're an active daddy, you get to say all kind of crappy stuff. Only only Debbie dads can't talk stuff about their kids. I my all my kids live with me, they can kiss my butt, tad them, tad a lunch, tad a bus fell. I'm tired of my kids. So what what percentage when you grow up and become this uh giant Chicago figure are you gonna give your daughter who uh introduced the world to you? You sound like her. She <laughs> not let me forget that that it's her. 100 percent She's like, yeah, dad. Everything from here on out is for because of me. <laughs> but she wasn't, I mean, I don't. I don't know if you would have made it dancing, so you just did your own thing. So technically, she can't really claim it. I used to um, type out long form history posts on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes man, that thing get shared a thousand times. You're like, oh my god, that's cool as hell. And sometimes, like, two people will like it. It felt like the more research I did on something, the less people liked it. And so I, I stopped and I just said, hey, I'm going to write this book and it'll, it'll just be a slow roll. And it's crazy. That's the thing why I speak to old people like the TikTok is the newest platform. And so that's that's what helped it propel. And if I had been resistant to change, I would have still had a lot of good information in a space where nobody could get at it. Mm. And then somebody would have found my books when I was dead and be like, man, you know. Who is this guy? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think history is important. And then I looked in the space and it's like no young historians. 
you know, like there's nobody under 70 that we can call a Chicago historian. And every city needs a historian. Yeah. I hope I'm encouraging people to be the historians in their city because it should show you that that's a, like you say, it's been the Today Show. Uh, there's a show called First Look that's coming out Saturday that mm. we, we beat out LA. LA was supposed to be the season opener. And he told me that the producers like the Chicago seven, they went to see the bull, the bears, the Cubs, the White Sox and me. That was their Chicago visit. And me. You know? <laughs> me. Yeah. Said our visit was so good. We knocked out LA. LA's gonna be third episode. Chicago is the first one because they felt like it was such a strong impact. And it's because like people tired, we want some positivity in our in our in the world too, right? I think a lot, you know, I'm not a negative follow. Even when I'm telling a harsh story, like the story of Cabrini Green, like I always try to end it on a positive note. Uh, I can say that something is institutionally racist without pointing the finger, right? You know, Absolutely. Um, because I want people to watch it. So I think it's a space for that, probably in every city, man. I think I think everybody should get a historian. You, you have people who do like surface level stuff and it's not a knock on them. They'll post a random fact about 63rd and Cottage Grove or a building on 79th and Racine that his dad used to work at. And it would just be the picture, but not the history behind it. Like how you take it a step further and you make it digestible for people who only got 60 seconds, right? only got a minute and 30. And I truly enjoy it. And it's, it's sparking that curiosity like, oh, why don't I have this? Or I really didn't know that. And I remember one time I was driving and I didn't know that Ashland ended and it got named another street. I'm like, wow, I wonder if any other streets are like that. Like, why does K-Town get that rep? But we also have the M streets as well. Yeah. And people, you know, you, you, you're doing it. Thank you. You're definitely doing it. Uh, I knew uh, we spoke earlier about I, too, want to start that and continue that. It's amazing Black people that are doing amazing things that are promoting positivity, and they should be pushed. And I'm so happy that you are fortunate enough now that everybody's calling you. Like, I'm literally seeing you everywhere, and I'm like, that's right, bro. Yeah. That's right. That's it's right. It's hard, man. It's hard, but I'm I'm um I'm up to the challenge just because I don't. I just feel like a vessel, and I think I think you hear people say that kind of stuff all the time, and until mm. you find your calling, it just sounds like some words. But when you really, really feel like you were just a vessel, you probably have found your calling. Like because I'm not selling me, I'm not trying to convince you to, to purchase or buy, or listen to me rap or sing or any of that. I sincerely, with my whole being, think Chicago is the greatest city on earth. And I think we have a very rich history. And I, I just want to be the person that tells you that this history, it's really, it, it annoys everyone else in my life. Like, <laughs> because a lot of times it happens real time, like right yeah. at that moment. Like yeah. as soon as I learn something, I'm like, okay, don't nobody talk to me. I'm going ahead and make a TikTok. Like I got to tell somebody else this thing before I forget it though. For I've saved so many of your videos and like <laughs> showing my parents and my elderly loved ones like, did you know this? <laughs> like, you lived on that block. You didn't tell me that. What? How? But you, 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 it's, it's good content. Thanks. And I'm happy that I'm able, that I was able to have this conversation with you. Uh, I had another question. Do you feel like you would go into any kind of public service? Yes. Um, yeah, I would. I would. I wouldn't want to be mayor. Okay. Uh, just because it's a thankless job, and I don't think people understand the amount of work we really need around here. Mm -hmm. You know, you get hired on as mayor, and then that very next weekend, seven people die. It's your fault that all seven people died. And all them deaths after that is going to be on you, you know. And then I also think like there's so many people that you got to go through to really truly affect change. 
but yeah, you know, somebody asked me like uh, educational committees, right? You know what I mean? That that type of stuff. I, I, I would certainly. I just wouldn't want to like. Yeah, I don't. I want to be liked when I go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you become yeah. a politician, you know. So yeah. I like what you said. I would be a public servant. I would work on the school board. I would do a lot yeah. of stuff. I don't know if I would want to be a politician. Well, when you do become whatever that thing is, whatever title they give you or you create, can you bring back the welcome to these block signs? Yeah, buddy. I yeah. I truly appreciate it. Every neighborhood should have one, bro. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I I love those signs. I went in and took some pictures of them. And I'm like, it it's beautiful. And it reminds me of my childhood. I used to go to my godmother's house or my grandparents' house, and they would say, welcome to the the so-and-so block, no this, no that, no that. And we ignore the rules, but you could tell that those blocks were communities. They were actually neighborhoods and they could have block parties and it would be no no BS because they communicate with each other. It's an actual neighborhood. I'm I'm glad you just said something. I got to go to the police station tomorrow uh, or the Alderman. I want to, we don't even have trick-or-treating in the hood no more. Mm. when I was a kid, we didn't have to all go to Beverly. We, I was able to walk Arvin Gresham. It, it, it's like everything else in the world, right? You shouldn't probably be out there trick-or-treating at 10 o'clock at night, but absolutely, we, we, we could probably trick-or-treat from the time we got out of school to maybe 6, 6.30. And just like year four in this house, my wife always decorated, we get no trick-or-treaters. And not that I'm big on eating candy and all that, but that's just a way to meet your neighbors, you know. Absolutely. It's the one part of it, right? You think about the spooky boogeyman and all that. And that's that, you know, we got things we gotta worry about around here. But the other part was like, now I know an old lady lives here. I need to be conscious of that, you know. Yeah. Or there are other kids that live over here. I can invite them to, you know, such and such as birthday party. And so what I'm gonna do, um, Tomorrow, but I had, I'm glad you reminded me. Let's get with the alderman and um, get with the police department and just light the block up. Maybe people, you know, like start announcing it on Facebook, like, hey, it's gonna be cops parked on the 81st Street and 83rd Street corner of, of you know, May, Aberdeen, Carpenter, Morgan, whichever block we choose. And mm-hmm. I, when, you, when you take steps like that, I'm pretty sure I can go into Walmart and they'll give me a bunch of candy. Right. For sure. Like, they're gonna give me a, a ton of candy with bags it up safely, give it to the neighbors. I said when people knock on the door, give them this already pre-wrapped, pre-sanitized in the COVID world uh bag. And like you say, it opens you to the city, you know. All the bungalows look the same until you walk up on one. And it's I mean these bricks are different in my bricks. Absolutely. You know, this porch goes to the side, this house porch goes straight up, this porch, you know. They got a gangway. Yeah, all of yeah, that. Right? Absolutely. Uh, we, we could definitely talk about yeah. all, <laughs> all day, but I appreciate the time. Uh, folks, he still has a regular nine to five. I so do. <laughs> I want to respect your time. Uh, Brother Thomas, thank you. Dilla, I'm sorry, six-figure Dilla. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I truly appreciate the history lessons, and I know that you're sparking some future historians. So thank you for all that you're doing. And I hope that Mahogany Tours and everything else that you put your hands on turns into a success. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you. Hey, you be easy, brother. Peace.